Welcome to episode 14 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is Josh Bogacic, and here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor. Um, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing Josh's story for many reasons and for our listeners to hear his story. Um, And it's quite fascinating to me that his story is um, connected to the same dynamic uh, in losing someone very close to him. Mm -hmm. And um, our family is going through that type of loss, um, different circumstances, but uh, loss by death uh, today because Mm -hmm. this morning, um, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, and Taylor's grandma uh, just passed away this morning. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to take a couple minutes and, and just honor her life by talking about her and just sharing with our, uh, listeners a little bit about her life. And, um, yeah, Taylor, you want to, you want to start? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just saw her three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. um, down in Florida, down in Florida where we talked a couple episodes ago about the moment full circle moment where I had where I was praying for a baby for Ben and Kelsey. And then we brought the baby with Ben and Kelsey, yeah. the family. Yeah, she and got grandma got Zane. to hold baby Zane, mm-hmm. which is a really cool moment. Yeah. We didn't know that that would be... No, she was 20, totally fine then. 20 days before she met Jesus face to face. And um, yeah, I mean, just an amazing woman. She is almost, would have been 94 in June. Yeah. And I mean, prayed for all of us every day, you know, would answer the phone every time we called and just admit she didn't do a ton. She still went to church. Everybody loved her, called her Miss Rita at church in Florida. And she'd always answer the phone and, you know, send birthday cards, just all that stuff, like advice, whatever it was. She was just always there and never, I I think a grandma, she'd always do really short phone calls where like (laughs) I would call her. And after 60 seconds, she'd be trying to get off the phone because she didn't want to bother me. I'm like, no, I'm calling you to, I'm calling mm-hmm. you to say hi. You're not wasting my time. She's just really mindful of people and, and mm-hmm. kind in that way. Um, she'd pray for all of us every day. So yeah, it's a cool legacy. Yeah, amazing woman. She, uh, of course, knew you her your whole life, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, didn't meet me till I came in to Brenda's life. And they lived up in Canada at the time, up in Winnipeg. And I remember taking trips up there and being graciously welcomed into their home and into their family. And she has been an amazing woman of God for decades, uh, decades, Um, just very generous, running a business with her husband, which after he passed 17 years ago, she's still been... Um, they still owns the business and for many years was still a very integral part of, of running that, that maid service and, mm-hmm. and is still going to this day. And um, uh, thinking about the story of this podcast with the loss, um, I just think about before Brenda was even born, um, she had two boys, her current oldest, Jim yeah. Bradford, um, and then a younger boy. So back when Jim was very, very young and they had a younger 
one than that. He was only two, three years old. And Ronnie. Ronnie, yep. Yeah, they were running out across the street to play, and um, and a truck was parked there, and and then I'll, then didn't see him and went forward and um, crushed him, and he died. And just them walking through that and all the times that they have ministered to families, mm-hmm. even in that same town a very short time later similar accident helping yeah. and they were able to step in and minister to that family and they've they've ministered to people their whole lives and um mm-hmm. yeah she she is the matriarch of the family mm-hmm. and um the the children are downstairs right now planning her service as we speak and and it's going to be a celebration a celebration of a life well lived yeah. and uh, so we just wanted to honor her at the beginning of this podcast, um, and it does really tie in exactly to Josh's story. But um, before we get to the story, we're going to, oh, I just want to say, too, I was just thinking this morning how death is such a big evidence that relationship is the purpose of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did some little Googling. Um, and it really is true that every moment of every day, somewhere in the world, someone is dying. Like almost two people per second. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet death only really touches you when you know the person. Mm-hmm. And the closer you know the person, the more you feel the well, pain and the loss of the separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Uh, relationship is the purpose of life, and uh, that is that is why we're gathering here, and that's why we want to let our listeners know how we know Josh, and especially Taylor, how you know Josh, and then hear, let our listeners hear a little bit about his life and his family, and then his story is going to all be tied to to relationship and how death impacts relationship. Um, so Josh, welcome to the Worship is Life podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Totally. Honored to have you, man. Mm-hmm. Seriously. So Josh, uh, of the people in this room, you know, Taylor the best. So I'm just going to let you guys go at it for a while and, uh, share with the listeners, share with our listeners how you guys know each other. Yeah. So you were at North Central for how long? I was there for just one year. Okay. One year. Yeah. So that's where yeah. I would have met you and we would have had some hanging out. So I was, and it's, it's funny because you lived on the floor that I would live on for two years after you left, yeah. uh, which I didn't even know that at the time. <laughs> but then I was um, sleeping over at some uh, buddies um, before I lived on campus. I would crash the night in the dorm room across the hall, yep. which dad was your dorm room for mm-hmm. what, how many years? <laughs> yeah, a couple years. A couple and years. And that's going back a lot of the years. The exact same <laughs> dorm room, which is insane. Uh, and that, you know, the guys I would stay with just happened to be really tight with you. Yeah. And had a, I just think of like a gazillion inside jokes and, uh, all the stuff going on video games and just a good time, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like my first college experience. I, I had gone to community college, so didn't get the real college experience and then yeah. went to North central and <laughs> got connected with you and yeah, <laughs> memories that I will never forget. Some yeah, that I man. want to forget. But. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy, man. I know. It's uh we were just talking before we started this episode today. Like 
I don't feel that old. But <laughs> as time goes on, we're talking like five years ago, four yeah. years ago, which is like, right. oh my word, that's yeah. crazy. And yeah. next year it'll be five and six. And yeah. it's crazy how that sort of thing goes. Yeah. Um, did you play sports at North Central? Uh, I played baseball for probably half of a season uh, and then just realized that that wasn't my passion anymore in life. I enjoyed watching it and coaching more than I did playing. Mm -hmm. Um, So stopped doing that and and started to to focus on school and and what life looked like Mm -hmm. after college. So yeah, yeah. good. And what's your like, what's your main passion? Like, what are you doing? Well, my main passion now is is to speak and to bring um, awareness to the importance of of community and, wow. and what that looks like and and how to develop that and how to and how to really cultivate true uh, Christ centered community in every in, in your life. So that's wow. my passion. Right that's now. awesome, man. Yeah. That's exciting. Yep. And it's crazy how like the word my passion can like change throughout the years. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? Um, was that on your heart while you were at North Central or is that something that's developed? No, it's nothing that I even considered. I mean, I wow. had great community, had great people in my life, but, uh, my passion at, at North Central was, it was youth and, and urban, uh, focused yeah, I thought uh, so. youth and still have a, uh, that's still very near and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it, it is pretty interesting how that shifts over the years after you've experienced many different things in mm-hmm. life, how your passions can can change and develop mm-hmm. and all those different things. So, Crazy. Yeah. And I was just thinking, too, um, we've actually had a good, a good, really, a really good mutual friend of ours, Caleb Wire yeah. from my mountain on this podcast um, early in our episodes. And uh, we've been at multiple of his events together. Yep. And I was thinking back to. Um, what year would that event that we were talking about? Oh, it was probably 2019. Okay. Yep. So about two years ago, yep. almost coming up in two years ago. And I hadn't seen you in a while. Um, and we just had bumped into each other and I had probably just recently released a lot, you know, some of my first music. Yep. And I remember you had reached out and, uh, you know, we were catching up and, and, uh, I don't even know the last time I would have seen you before then. And you just said some really endearing things to me that just like meant the world to me yeah. about like my music and whatever, whatever it had meant to you. And that was like within a month of the tragedy that you would walk through right after that. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. And I believe that's the first time actually that I had met Mallory. I know like Jesse, Caleb, really amazing mutual friends of yeah. ours, but I just hadn't hung with you guys a ton. For and sure. so that was, I just remember that night like going home, meaning a lot to me that you'd said that mm-hmm. excited to meet, um, Mallory. And then just like being in this room, being around this house, feeling for you and praying lots and lots for you as walked through the journey that I would, we're going to hear about today. Yeah. We're going to hear about that later. But I, as you're talking, I feel like I remember us sitting at the dinner table. I may be making this up, <laughs> but I feel like we were sitting at the dinner table and somehow I got word of the accident. Yeah, I remember that too. And I and and you're like and you're like I was just with them. Yeah, yeah. literally, it was so soon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we're gonna get there. Um, yeah, Josh, tell uh, our listeners just a little bit about going way back. So before North Central times, yeah. just your your family, your growing up, how how that all ended up leading to North Central and the life you're you're living now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm currently 27 years old. Um, I was born and raised in Lakeville, Minnesota. Oh, wow. Uh, so pretty close. So yeah, I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, loved playing sports. Uh, was never involved in church, uh, but had two parents that, that loved me and were there for me with whatever I needed. Came to every sporting event. Were wow. just, yeah, just amazing active parents. Uh, in my life. Um, and then around sixth grade, my dad was laid off from his uh, job and, and actually took another job out in New York State hmm. um, and was out there for about six to seven months. And around that time is when my life started to kind of change a little bit. My dad wasn't around because um, he was working, obviously. So I didn't really have a father figure uh, in the house at the time. So started to act out and rebel and my grades started to go down the drain a little bit and wasn't really focused on on school just you know was kind of mad at, at the world at the time um, and then my dad came back and was already in a in, in in this habit of laziness and not doing what I was supposed to be doing and kind of barely got through middle school and then got into high school wow. and had good friends but eventually um, you know got into some things that I shouldn't have gotten into some unhealthy relationships and yeah, led to a pretty dark path. Um, mm. You know, thoughts of suicide, not really knowing if I really wanted to be on the earth anymore mm. Um, mm. and met uh, this amazing family um, that eventually I, I, I started to date their daughter and they were active in a church. And in my mind, you know, church was whatever. It was just something you did on Sunday, nothing that was really serious. Mm -hmm. uh, I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic church. So that's a, like mm. all I knew about wow. church. Mm -hmm. um, so started to date this, this girl and her family was very active in church. And, you know, they invited me to go to church and I did just to make them happy, not really to get anything out of it mm. um, and started to serve at the church. And you know, I was just doing it to make her happy and make her family happy and, you know, wasn't taking it serious at all. And it was actually on Father's Day 2013, um, there was a an altar call that the pastor gave while I was there and just felt something weird in hmm. my heart that I was <laughs> supposed to go up there. But, hmm. you know, three or four more people went up and I was like, yeah, maybe not today. And then the pastor said that, you know, there's still someone else up that that needs to be up here. And wow was about halfway out of my wow. seat. And, and then another friend went up. I was like, okay, yeah, good. Well, not my day. And then the pastor yet again said that there's someone that was supposed to be up here. So hmm. I got up, started to walk to the front, and I, I wasn't even halfway there before um, what I now know as the presence of God hmm. um, just hit me. Wow. And I just fell on my knees and was weeping and weeping and wow. weeping. And, my word. Um yeah. Talk so, about a real experience. Yeah. That's and, crazy. And yeah, so it was still unsure of what faith looked like. Just knew that, you know, I'd just given my life to Christ and, you know, was going to try to do this thing. Didn't know what it looked like, but mm. was going to try it. Um, and eventually got connected with North Central and, and, and started to go there. And yeah, was there for a year and met Taylor and mm -hmm. um was there for only a year and then felt like I was called into the missions field. So I hmm. did a YWAM, uh, DTS out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania oh, yeah. and fell in love with it, fell in love with missions, fell in love with working with inner city at risk youth. Um, so yeah. And that's kind of what I did was there and, uh, went to Boston, did a secondary YWAM school out there and 
yeah, just fell in love with missions and working in the inner city. So, mm. um, yeah, moved back to Minnesota, got married um, to Mallory, who we will talk about uh, here soon, um, and then felt called into the missions field. So we moved out to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to serve as right. full-time in, uh, missionaries out there. So, right. Wow. Yeah. So your experience at that church, you would have been how old when that happened? Uh, I would have been 17. Okay, so 17 going basically going end of high school and yep. then head to North Central. Yep. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So when you think back to that season uh, at the beginning, yeah. um, just in those, just maybe in that first year or first couple years, um, how would you describe to our listeners when you really got the revelation of God and, and your need to have a relationship with him and his desire to have a relationship with you, how would you describe how that impacted your life? Um, how did you see all of a sudden this relationship with your creator yeah. uh, growing? And then how did that impact initially like relationships with your family and others around you? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, funny enough, I, I started to realize that my creator wanted to have a relationship with me when my when that girlfriend actually broke up with me. Because oh. I was so wow. I was so reliant on her and her family hmm. when, when I had a problem in my life. I wouldn't go to God, I would go to hmm. them because that's all like that's all I knew. That was mm-hmm. your connection to Yeah, it, yeah. and they knew how to pray and they knew how to find answers and that's what I did. So when she broke up with me I was like, oh, shoot, maybe I need to take this a little more seriously. So I started to get into the word, started to pray more. Didn't know what praying looked like, but I was just, you know, talking to God Mm. and really started to see things changing in my life. Um, Still still had unhealthy habits, but started to pray through them and and seek wise counsel and seek people um, and, and started to, you know, be released and freed of those those unhealthy habits that I had in my life. So that's probably when she broke up with me is when I really needed to press in and, and hmm. seek God. So. I mean, that's all. That's awesome because that could have so easily gone the other way. Absolutely. I mean, she's and yeah. her family were the ones that brought you well, in. Yeah. Without all of a sudden that being gone, you could have easily just said, okay, that's over, back to yeah. the old. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that's awesome, yeah. man. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Um so specifically, you talked about your family growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen your relationship with God impact your relationship with your family? Yeah, um, great question. Um, so at the beginning, when I started to go to church every Sunday, I would go to youth group every Wednesday. My parents didn't really get it. Um, I spent a lot of time not with them and they didn't understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because I was, I just felt like I knew what my purpose was, you know, and they just didn't really understand it. Mm. Um, but as I, you know, matured in my faith, I started to share more and more and more with them. And, um, specifically my mom, my dad gets it now too, but it really stuck out to my mom, you know, that, that there is a, a God and a creator that, actively Hmm. loves you Hmm. and wants this relationship Hmm. with you and her you know her dad died when she was seven and her mom my grandma wasn't you know the greatest mother to her and she didn't really understand what unconditional love looked like Hmm. um her idea of love was oh if she did the dishes you know my my grandma would 
you know, appreciate that. That was her idea of love. Mm. She didn't understand that there was a God pursuing her. So when I shared more and more and more, and as my faith grew more and more and more, she understood that, yeah, I don't really have to do anything to be loved by this creator. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's been the biggest thing for her that, that she has learned from me and, and that God has been teaching her. So, yeah, yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. All right. So you've mentioned Mallory. Yep. Um, I didn't realize there was a breakup in, in there. Yeah. Um, but just, so yeah, just give our listeners the story, the, the relationship, how it began, the phases, the wedding, um, and then leading right up to, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I met Mallory at North Central, uh, through Taylor and I's mutual friend, Caleb, uh, wire. And, Mm. There was always something there. Um, you know, we always felt that there could be more, but we were just friends. And I was just a kid in college who, you know, was trying to talk to girls and, mm-hmm. you know, do that kind of thing. So there was never anything really serious there um, until about the summer of, oh, man, 2016, I want to say, 2015, 2016. Um, and we started to develop, a, a relationship and, um, didn't really know what to call it. And I was kind of afraid of commitment at the time. And it would just happen to so be when I was moving to Pittsburgh to do my YWAM DTS. So felt like I, I, I kind of had a, you know, I bailed out and that's what I, you know, I was happy with it. But at the time in Pittsburgh, when I was there, I really felt from the Lord that I was supposed to stop being an immature um, boy and start to grow into a man. And, and the first thing that I felt that I needed to do was to commit to Mallory. So, Mm. um, when I was done in Pittsburgh, I I came back to Minnesota and had like a four hour conversation with her because she wasn't happy with me. And, Mm. um, I told her, you know, if you give me another chance, I'll prove to you that, that I'm not just saying this to, to know, you know, get on your good side. I actually do want to pursue you. Um, as, as a girlfriend, eventually as my wife. And Mm. she could have easily said, you know, no, I've given you so many chances I'm done. But she just prayed about it and said, yeah, I want to give you another opportunity. So she gave me another chance and it was, you know, great. We, we developed this amazing relationship and, uh, got counseling and, and just, you know, again, sought wise counsel and, and, and invited important people into our lives to share. Um, so as our relationship grew, I had shared with her that I wanted her to do a DTS to kind of be on the same spiritual level, um, as me, not that she was lower or higher, but just so that we kind of had the same Same page. yeah. Yeah. Same page. So, um, I didn't know how she would react and immediately she's like, yeah, I want to do that. So Mm -hmm. she, went out to California and did wow. a DTS out there and went to the Middle East or I guess the Mediterranean in Greece and in the countries of Greece and Jordan and did an outreach. And while she was out there, I was in Boston, like I had mentioned earlier, doing my secondary YWAM school. And I was praying one morning and really felt that I was supposed to ask her to be my wife over our Christmas break. Yeah. And I've never felt something more clear in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had FaceTimed her that night. She was already in uh, Greece. So it was about 1 a.m. my time, but early or yeah, early afternoon for her. 
And she got on the phone and looked completely just lost and confused. And I asked her what was wrong. And she's like, I don't know what it is, but I just, you know, I, I feel like maybe we're supposed to break up. And I was like, what Whoa. in the world? What? Oh, I was like, what? I, well, here's what I'm hearing. I, I feel like we're supposed to get married. And she's like, how can we be on opposite pages? And I was like, well, I really feel like maybe this is the enemy trying to lie to you and deceive you because we have worked through these problems and I feel like we have something great here. Hmm. And she's like, well, maybe I just need to pray more. So she prayed and a couple of days later we, we talked again and she's like, you know, I, I really feel like you're right that we are supposed to take this next step wow. in our relationship. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Great. Yeah. Right. So she came back, um, from outreach and we, um, got together and planned this whole engagement and we got engaged and it was amazing. And we didn't know what was next. <laughs> we knew mm -hmm. that we loved God and we loved people, but we didn't really know what that looked like. Um, she had dropped out of college. I had dropped out of college. We didn't have degrees. We didn't have a focus in our life, but we knew that we loved people and we wanted to serve people. And after praying, we, we felt like we were supposed to go, um, on staff in YWAM. So got married, um, October 9th, I believe it was in 2017, got married wow. two weeks. We raised over three grand in monthly support mm. Wow! and moved to Pittsburgh mm. and wow. What a story. Loved, loved it, learned a lot. Um, and then eventually it started to not look the the way that we wanted it to look. Um, and maybe that was just God telling us that it was our time to, to move and transition. And, but we didn't really know how to do that. And then eventually got pregnant and that was kind of our way mm. out. So we're like, okay, God, this is you. So got mm. pregnant mm -hmm. and, um, moved back in August of 2019, back to Minnesota, our home. We love Minnesota. We love our family and our friends that are here. Mm -hmm. um, so moved back in August, and I got a job working as a paraprofessional at Fridley Middle School. And she was pregnant at the time, so she wasn't really doing anything, just hanging out at that, my, my parents' house because that's where we were going to stay and live until we had saved enough money to get our own place. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, worked at Fridley for a month and a half. And on October 11th, um, 2019, I received a phone call from a friend. Um, Mallory was helping one of my friends from high school out. Um, they were moving and Mallory went over to help them pack and uh, just kind of help them around the house. And I got a call from my friend and this, this friend had told me that Mallory had been in an accident, um, but she was stable and okay. The ambulance went and got her. She had, um, had been feeling lightheaded. She was 32 weeks pregnant, so all of the different hormones that are happening during that time, she just kind of felt a little dizzy and a little lightheaded. So she grabbed a glass of water and went to sit down, and as she went to sit down, she had fainted and passed out and dropped the glass of water on the ground and she had fell on said glass of water and mm. um mm. cut her neck open mm. so but had told she was okay and mm. she was stable but i needed to get to the hospital 
to be with her. So awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So I told my coworkers, I was like, hey, my wife's been in an accident. I have to go. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, they're like, yeah, go, go, go. So I was like, okay. So I drive there as fast as I can, get to HCMC, Hennepin County Medical Center, mm-hmm. and park and get in. And they're like, who are you here to see? I was like, oh, my wife was in an accident. I said she's being transported by ambulance here. Um, where do I need to go? And they're like, okay, just go to the ER right here. Wait there. We'll tell them that you're here and they'll come get you when they're ready for you. So it's like, okay, okay. Sounds good. So I'm sitting there and I'm a very calm person. So I'm just sitting there. I I called my mom. I called my friends and I was like, Hey, you know, Mallory had been in an accident. Um, from what I know, she's okay, but I just need you guys to get here or start praying or whatever. Mm. Okay. Sounds good. Mm. So I wait and I wait and I wait and it felt like an eternity, Mm -hmm. but it was only about a half an hour, 40 minutes. The, ER doctor had come out and grabbed me and then I went back into another waiting room. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. You know, maybe they're just doing like emergency surgery. Maybe they just like need to get her in a room, like whatever, you know, maybe that's why it's taking so long. And another half an hour, 45 minutes, hour went by Hmm. just sitting in there. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then your mind starts to go like, what? That's a long time. Is there something going on Hmm. that more than I know? And eventually this group of about six or seven doctors came in the room. Wow. Oh, my word. They sat down and they were, you you could just tell that something had happened. And I had prepared my heart for my baby um, to be gone. Like that's in my mind. I was like, Mm -hmm. God, like, I'm not mad at you. I understand. Like there has to be something, you know, I prepared my heart. I was like, okay. Mm we can get pregnant again. That's a, that's a good thing. Like we can do this. And they sat me down and they're like, Josh, we have to let you know that Mallory didn't make it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what do you mean? They're like, she, she didn't make it. She, she died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was so overcome. Like, again, I'm, like I said, I'm a calm person. My levels of anger never, I don't show it. And I just felt this anger just hmm. rush through my body. Hmm. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just started, I just started screaming and screaming. And hmm. I, I, I remember punching this cabinet door and still to this day, I have <laughs> pain in my hand from when I did that. But hmm. I was so angry and I just didn't know what to do. So I sat down and I just remember just praying in my head, like, God, please just give me peace and strength during this time. That's that's all I need right now. And felt this peace just come over my body. And then I just started to pray for each doctor that was in the room. Hmm. I was like, this might seem crazy, but I really feel like I need to pray for you right now. Wow. And they're like, no, no, you don't need to. We need to like get you calmed down and pray for you. I was like, no. I need to pray for you. So they stayed in the room during this whole response of yours. Wow. This doctor, after I had my little uh, fit of rage, just came up and hugged me and Mm. squeezed me and Mm. said that they didn't know the answers and they didn't know why this was happening, but they, they said that they're going to do everything that they can to, to help me. And I sat down and then that's when I felt this peace come over my body. And I was like, can I pray with you guys? And they're like, uh, sure. Wow. So I started to pray with them. And, and after I got done, I said, you know, you guys have never met my wife other than, you know, doing 
surgery or trying to save her. And, but I want you to know that she would want you to know that, that Jesus loves you hmm. and wants a relationship with you. Hmm. And three or four of the doctors just started bawling and wow. weeping. And Ugh. they're like, well, you know, I haven't gone to church in a long time, but it, I, I want to get back to it and I want to keep, I want to go. And I was like, well, here's your chance. And it was just mm. so, it was just so interesting. And, mm. and I didn't even ask questions. I just knew that's what I had to do. And they're like, well, you know, your baby, we, we did get your baby out. And unfortunately she lost a lot of oxygen, but she, there is potentially a chance that she can make it. We brought her to the, um, the NICU, the intensive care unit upstairs, and you can go up there and see her if you want. And I was like, yeah, let's like, let's go. Let's, mm-hmm. let's start wow. praying over oh, my baby. My and yeah, so I, I had my friends just start calling everyone that we knew, um, from Pittsburgh to Boston. Mallory was from Illinois. So all of her family from Illinois came, she had family in California. We had people all over the country and all over the world too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just started calling them. We're like, Hey, we need to get here because something amazing is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that night we had 35 people in the hospital praying over my baby, mm. praying over the the nurses, the staff, everyone that came mm. into the hospital. We had someone there um, just praying for them and, and, and being a light for them. And yeah, it was it was amazing. And I had five amazing days with my baby girl. I got mm. to hold her. Mm. We worshiped and sang and mm. prayed Beautiful over her. Beautiful pictures I remember seeing. All yeah. This. And, um, you know, Mallory wanted nothing, nothing less but to have a, a baby girl. That's what she wanted. That was her whole dream in life wow. was to have a baby girl. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't she didn't get to have her here on Earth. But um, I got five days with my baby girl, mm. and after that, she went to be with her mama in heaven. Mm. And that's what we hold on to, and that's that's the promise that you know God has told us that you know all the pain is gone, and they're there together. And and that's something that you know that we hold on to till this day that they're reunited in heaven, and mm-hmm. um, we got to form this amazing family and community here on earth, and we'll never forget the the five days that we got to spend together in the hospital mm. um, as we all just rallied and, and prayed and worshiped. And um, yeah, really, really got to draw close to God during a time where some people would probably distance themselves from him. So, yeah. Wow, mm, man. So this is my first hearing the story in such detail and yeah. accurate detail. You know, you kind of hear things that, and then, yeah, anyway, so, um, so it's a lot for me to process in the moment, and yet I'm trying to think, too, of what you can say to our, our listeners because you have processed mm-hmm. through this. So what I, what I want them to hear, you know, is through your process of loss and pain in the moment as things unfolded, yeah, just talk about, again, just relationship with God um, and, you know, and relationship with those around you through that that whole season. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a introverted person. So, um, when I felt the, from the Lord that I needed to call all of these people to be with me and my family, I was kind of, I was like, mm, I, I don't really know if I want, like, this is, this is me. This is for me and my family. Mm. But I felt like that was, that's what I was supposed to do. So mm. I, I did that. And 
because of that, we we saw God move in ways that hmm. we couldn't even imagine. There were hmm. doctors giving their lives to Jesus. There wow. were nurses what? saying that they had never seen something like this happen before. Um, you know, we had we had nurses, you know, just staying with us, and I'm in contact with them still to this day. Hmm. That hmm. you know they're actively going to church, and they had never gone to church before. And that's crazy. It's, it was just amazing to see what simple obedience, just calling people. Like I, I, I hmm. prayed and felt like the Lord was like, call these people. I was hmm. like, okay, all right, I will. And all these people came, and and mm. through that, through this tragedy, we saw amazing life giving things happening. And like I, I can't even express and explain to you guys what I saw because it was, you know, we were we. If you've ever been to a NICU unit, you know how, you know they they kind of just shut everything out. Like you can have one or two people in at a time because these babies are in, you know. They, they could they could die at any minute mm. and if having too many people in a room you know that that could lead to something happening but I remember there was a specific baby in there who th- they said didn't really have much time to live maybe uh, maybe another day and the parents weren't gonna come by they were just gonna leave the baby there and I was like oh my gosh so one night I remember we had 30 people in the specific area just singing just singing hymns and singing worship songs and just worshiping. And all of a sudden we hear this monitor of this baby, the heartbeat started to go like higher and higher. Hmm. We're like, what is happening? Hmm. And they're like, we've nurses came in and they're like, keep doing it, keep doing it. <laughs> so we just worship and prayed. And all of a sudden this baby was starting to recover from something that they thought he would never recover from. Wow. And it was out of simple mm. obedience and just saying yes to calling people mm. that we got to see, you know, miracles take place. Um, and a lot of people will ask me, well, like, did you seek a miracle for your baby? And I was like, I think my baby was the miracle for mm. all of these other babies mm. because we were in there singing and mm. praying and just doing things that mm. people probably we wouldn't do in that in that certain situation but we felt like that's what we were supposed to do. And, and yeah, through that, we saw God work in crazy ways. Yeah. And just the reality, like, I love what you just said, like being like a spirit filled believer. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would naturally do what you did in that environment. Right. Even you might've even said that before about yourself. Right. And then to think, but like when something like death creates this circumstance that everything becomes so crystal clear, the purpose of life. Yeah passion, all that different stuff that all that goes out the window, social awkwardness, what are people like that doesn't matter. Right. And what's, and then you've got these doctors, babies that are just under the sound of your voices singing praise and just to see the impact of that is just blowing me away. And then the babies that were physically and spiritually affected that will go on to do who knows what right in the next potentially 90 years that they're alive. It's just like, it's just shocking me right now. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, a lot of people told me that that how we handled things, you know, wasn't the right way to do it and all these different Mm. things. And I was like, you know, you I don't think there is a right or wrong way Mm. to to handle grief and handle emotion. Mm. There's no handbook on grief. Um, But I know that what we did um, brought life to to many other people. And that's and that's what we were supposed to do. And I've it was just so clear to me that that's what we were supposed to do yeah, in man. the hospital. So, so we're going to keep 
telling the story here. Yep. Uh, but before that, I just want to ask you, you know, I've heard you say now several times um, that you just, you felt so strongly or I just knew I was supposed to. Yeah. And I love for myself and for our listeners just to hear the different nuances from different people about what it's like for them to hear God. Yeah. Um, so, or to sense the direction or, or to know that um, God is leading me to do this or to say that. So yep. what's, what's that look like or sound like for yeah. you? Yeah. Um, so for me, there's many different ways that God speaks to me. Mm. Um, I've never heard a physical voice of God. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were like, well, I've never heard God say this. Well, it's like, well, yeah, that might, that's probably true because sometimes we don't hear like a physical voice. Sometimes you do. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, God can speak through many different things as we know. Um, and the way he speaks through me is, is through other people. Um, that's like the biggest thing. So when I say that I felt these things, it was, um, as I was praying, you know, I I would, I would kind of get an idea like, Oh, maybe I'm supposed to talk to this person for an example. And maybe there was someone with me and I'd be like, Hey, what do you think about going to talk to this person? And if they're like, yeah, go ahead. Like that's to me, that's God saying, yeah, you should do this. Mm. So when I was in the hospital, I had people around me all the time. There was maybe a 30 minute window where I didn't have someone with me. Mm. And so when I started to pray with the doctors, I had the thought in my mind, yeah, you should, you should, you know, I felt like God was telling me, yeah, pray for these doctors. I actually asked Caleb Wire, hey, man, what do you think about this? Would you help me with this? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And immediately I was like, all right, God, thank you for mm. just, you know, giving me confirmation that that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and every time I did it, I was like, hey, let's sing this song. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm feeling that too. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Mm. So hmm. for me, it's, it's just God speaking to me through other people and just confirming it through other people. That's, that's hmm. how I get my hmm. confirmation. So. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, when there is such a freak accident like that, yeah. that leads to such tragic loss. I mean, there's no, there's no answers. There's no logical explanation there's no comfort in, oh, God knew this was going to, I mean, this like throw that all out the yep, window right. in my book. Yep. However, there is the truth that God does work all things together for good mm. to those who are connected to him, love him, trust in him, depending on him. Um, so what are some ways um, that you have seen God work this tragedy in your life for, for good for you and for good for those you've come in contact since. Yeah. Uh, like I had, like I had said earlier, um, there was that big group of people that came and, um, were just with us at the hospital all the time. And yeah, we were, we were all close, you know, never really, you know, best friends, but now till this day, um, we'll have people, you know, if I have someone going and this is just a little example, um, if I have someone going on a vacation or something like my first thought is, Oh, well, let's connect them with the, with these people. And they're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, mm. because we were there together and we mm. shared that. So that we share like this very special moment. Um, so that's just a little example through other people. But for me, um, I got to meet my current wife through all of this tragedy. Mm. Um, 
my wife Amanda was a worship pastor in Green Bay, Wisconsin at the time and got word of what happened. And it was, she just simply reached out and was just like, Hey, you know, I heard, I've never met you, but I just heard about your story. And I want to let you know that here at Central Church in Green Bay, mm. we're praying for you and we're here cool. for with whatever you need. I was like, oh, okay. Like, wow, this is like spreading. And I had people all over the world just texting me, hey, mm. you know, we're here for you. We're here for you. And yeah, so after she had messaged me, I was just like, okay, you know, thanks. You know, I had received so many <laughs> messages. I was like, you know, what do I say at this point? You know, it was just an, like a copy paste, like, thank you for reaching out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll let you know if I need anything mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but eventually I just felt like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to, you know, talk to this person and, Hmm. and, you know, seek, you know, not a relationship, but just a friendship that someone that hasn't been involved with everything. I I just felt like maybe that's what I was supposed to do. And so we just started talking and, you know, one thing led to another. I felt like maybe there could be something more than just a friendship. But after you have a, a wife pass and, you it's you're very hesitant mm-hmm. so i was like ooh yeah this is probably too soon for me to be doing this um so i kind of told her i was like hey i might need a little bit of space you know i just you know my wife passed away recently and i just i i don't know if i'm fully ready for that she's like and this is when i knew that that there was going to be something more she's like you know i absolutely understand i just want to let you know that first that i'm here for you as a sister in christ and just to let you know that if, if nothing happens, I'm, I'm here for you. And whatever you need from me, I'm going to be there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, that's amazing. Someone who's cool. never met me, someone who wasn't even in the situation, um, was just so understanding and, and open to, you know, maybe nothing happening type of thing. So um, I took a little bit of time and um, really felt like, yeah, I was supposed to pursue hmm. Amanda as, hmm. as my wife. And, you know... Obviously, there were some people that weren't super happy about it, but I felt from the Lord that this was was what I was supposed to do, and eventually started dating, and um, yeah, got engaged and got married this past December, and so exciting just to see God's promises fulfilled because you know on October twelfth, the day after my wife Mallory passed away, I had these thoughts of, wow, I'm never. I don't think I'll ever get married again. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was just my thoughts. But I remember, you know, Mallory telling me that it's so weird how we have these conversations, but she had a conversation with me and she said, Hey, if I pass away at a young age, I want you to get remarried hmm. and I don't want it to take a long time. Wow. And wow. I thought to myself when, as I was talking to Amanda that, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. And yeah. And December, this past December, we got married, and she she's an amazing woman, mm-hmm. um, such an amazing, understanding person, mm-hmm. and someone that you know works super hard and is always there and understands that when I have a, a rough day and uh, is there for me on those days and there for me on the good days, and just someone that actively pursues me mm-hmm. um, regardless of what happened um, in my life uh, before I had even known her. So, wow, yeah. Yeah, Taylor and I both know Amanda, and she's amazing. Yeah, yeah she's a good and, friend um, of mine. And cool. I had actually come out to Central Church in Green Bay, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, when she worked there to, you know, guest lead worship or do workshops and stuff, and got to know her and the staff there, and so that was that was kind of cool because we're just good friends, and yeah. 
Yeah, and we'll circle back around to her in a minute here. Um, but just um, since the accident, um, have you yet, if, if you haven't, I know you will, but have you yet had opportunities to minister specifically to people who've gone through some serious loss um, just because of, of what you experienced through yours? Um, yeah, so I I got the opportunity to um, go back out to Pittsburgh and, and at the YWAM base there, and there are uh, there's a group of uh, at risk youth that we are very close with out there who um, don't have dads or had parents who had passed away, um, and I was just able to you know be real with them because a lot of people lie to them and you know sugarcoat things because you had known them before yeah and so now I, you went back after the accident yep got it yep and they had asked me to just speak with the kids and you know just share your story and share mm-hmm. how you know there is hope even though you've, you've had tragedy in your life so um that's the one specific time that i i've gotten to share with with people who have a similar you know uh experience or similar tragedy as well, me um, but yeah, I definitely look forward to sharing more because I feel like, you know, God can use it and speak through it through, uh, many different people. So, so yeah. I, I've heard time and time again from close friends of yours, um, you know, um, I remember specifically like feeling for you and praying and wanting to like reach out, but not knowing how to handle it. You know what I mean? Just all yeah. that stuff. I right. think I might've sent you a, a text or two, but, yeah. but I remember, um, just checking in on how you were doing like through your friends and stuff and like you know them just being like you just wouldn't believe like how amazing of a man of god josh is and the way he's handling stuff and and telling me bits and pieces about what you guys experienced together in the hospital and everything so i think about the moment with the doctors and i just feel like it's just like from a horrible movie and to for you to express and feel what you felt and then just ask God for peace and then to be given it. Yeah. Like, do you feel, I just think about everything we've talked about from then until today. And it's like, like, talk to me a little bit about that moment. Like if you wouldn't have like, I just think about like asking you shall receive. Like if you wouldn't have just asked God for that, what things would look like now, like all that kind of stuff. And just like, I, the last thing I'll say before I let you share is I've, I've thought so many times about like, like what it is like for you in the current moment, like through all the weeks and months yeah. afterwards, like if it's just like unbelievable, this unbelievable that. And like my dad said, you just got to throw a lot of the questions and stuff out the window and just be real and process. So right. just so like, do you just feel like all of that was just like game was just changed because of the moment and you just had this piece that stuck with you? Obviously there's still hard moments. Just yeah. talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I, I still experience that that peace till this day. Um, every morning I wake up and ask for that supernatural Mm. peace to Mm. just rest on my heart. And he grants me that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that every single day I'm just, you know, Oh yeah. You know, I act like nothing happened Mm -hmm. kind of thing, but I use, I use, you know, that peace to, to bring understanding to, Mm -hmm. to the situation. And, um, yeah, Mm. most people would probably still be very upset and would still not under, I I still have people close to me that still don't understand the whole situation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remind those people that we're never going to understand why this happened. So we need to, we need to start to process that, that we can't 
keep asking why over and over mm-hmm. and over again mm-hmm. because we're never going to get that answer. And unfortunately, we have to be okay with that. Yeah. And that's what I that's remind amazing, myself Josh. is that I'm never going to know the why, but I do know that God had this amazing you know, redemption plan for my life. And I'm walking through that right now. And that's, that's what I'm holding on to is that, you know, I'm walking through this process and through this plan that God has for my life. And, you know, I don't think that God intended to take my wife away from me. I don't think that was his, his plan. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. it was a tragic accident accidents happen. And I don't think God was like, yeah, I just want to, you know, Mallory's mine now type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to, you know, understand that I, I'm not going to know why, and I have to be okay with that, but I also need to walk in his truth and his peace that he's placed on my life. So, so good, man. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have many opportunities, many more opportunities to share your story, yeah. uh, with audiences, mm-hmm. but also just one-on-one people who are walking through it. And, uh, we're just honored and blessed to be one of the first places that, um, that you can, that you can share this. Yeah, yeah. truly. Well, anyways, um, Josh, we reached that point in our episode where we bring on our honorary member of the podcast. Um, and this is episode number 14 (laughs) and we've had, uh, our special friend in pretty much all of them. So I like to patch him in here on the phone. So Billy Bob McCall, you're on with Josh Bogachik. Josh, Josh, I'm just, it's Billy Bob here. I'm just so honored so honored to be be with you. I've been listening in on the call. I always feel special because you know I know I'm good. I'm the first one that gets to hear these these stories and and I just been listening. And I just been in in awe. I don't know, don't know how else to say it, but I just been just been in awe of your story and 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 how you walk through it. And man, man, I just I just pray that. If I ever have to face something like that, that I'll be able to, to walk through it exactly, exactly how you've been walking through it. It's so, so awesome. You know, I just got to say that, you know, I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And I know, I know that God works things together for good. I know it does. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of the people around me. been seeing about it in your life. And, you know, just a couple of days ago when we got some Internet out here, I was looking around on Facebook. And uh, I got to tell the people, Josh, I hope you don't mind, but I got to tell the people I saw a little announcement. saw a little announcement there of, of you and Amanda and another another little one, another little life coming, coming on the way. Is that true? Billy Bob, thank you so much for calling in. It is true. Billy Bob. My wife, Amanda, and I are expecting uh, our, our, a baby of our, of our own um, due in November. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Oh, man, it's like tragedy to triumph. Amen. It's like tragedy to triumph. Wow, wow. So, yeah, so how far along, how far along is the baby? Uh, nine weeks, um, and my wife, Amanda, is currently sick as a dog. Oh, man. Well, I know the sick as a dog thing. I mean, I got kids running all over the place. I can lose track of how many. And I got dogs, too. So I know the sick as a dog thing. I know the sick as a dog thing. Well, you just tell Amanda that we're thinking about it, and we're so excited for you guys and so excited to 
to, to, to hear in the future how God's going to use his story. And it's just been, just been a pleasure listening to you and speaking with you, Josh. You are now one of my heroes. Thank you so much, Billy Bob. I, I really appreciate your kind words. That means a lot to me. Well, I'm glad. Billy Bob's uh, played a really unique role in my life and my sister. We've talked about that on past episodes. But uh, we all, it's an honor to have you here, Josh. Thank yeah, you for doing great. this. Um, you know, one of those stories that's impacted me from a distance and was just hoping and believing um, to someday, you know, know more and to connect with you more and really thankful that you were able to join us today. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And, um, yeah, this podcast has already impacted so many people's lives and, and I look forward to, to hearing and listening, uh, what other interviews you guys do, because I know what you guys do is very important. So that makes a lot, man. Thank you so much. It's been great having you. Yeah. God bless, man. All right. For resources and to find out more about Worship is Life, head to worshipislife.org. My name is Josh Bogacic, and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.